We have at Northside many talented worship leaders, song leaders, and that, you, I don't know if you caught it or not, but, but Mark put, I am not afraid of ten thousands of people right as I get up to do the sermon. <laughs> Good thinking, Mark. Actually, he was probably thinking, deliver me, oh my God, deliver me. In the book, 438 Days, there's the story of a fisherman. Uh, Salvador Avaranga is his name. He's a lifelong fisherman, just a little bit older than I am. Spent his whole life at sea catching sharks and large ocean fish. Uh, November of 2012, he and a day laborer who he had hired by the name of Cordova went out on what they thought would be a typical day at sea. That day was no ordinary day. It would be the beginning of 438 days that Salvador would spend on the ocean adrift all alone. They were caught in a huge storm. Uh, The boat was flipped up almost over, but not completely, just enough to dump all of their supplies out so that all that he had was his 15-foot fishing boat and his icebox. His day laborer that he had hired for the day eventually uh, succumbed to the elements and died during the trip. He spent well over a year at sea all by himself with only his wits to survive. It is an amazing story. Now, as I read the book, which I just finished, the thought comes to mind, well, I mean, obviously I'm reading the book. The guy must have made it, right, to tell the story. So the question is not... If he made it, the question is, what? How did he do it? And you listen to this amazing story about him birds with his bare hands and, and, and getting hold of fish and sea turtles out there and, and eating them raw and, and learning to survive and, and foraging in the ocean trash that happened to drift by and, and making do with what he had so that he could survive living inside of a, an icebox that had had remained within his boat and being cramped inside there to protect himself from the sun and the elements, nearly succumbing to starvation and dehydration. It is an overwhelming story. The question is, how did Salvador do it? I don't want to give the whole book away, but I'll boil it down to two things. And I think those two things are important because they're exactly what we're going to talk about in 2016. Our theme in 2016 is not ocean fishing, but strong and courageous. Those are the two qualities, the two character traits that Salvador Avarenga had to maintain. He had to be strong. He had to keep his wits about him to understand exactly what he had known to be true. He had to pay attention to the ocean and to the stars, to the waves, to the fish. He had to pay attention to everything he knew to be true. But there were other times when he had to be courageous, when the food was depleted and he had to jump into shark-infested waters to pull off barnacles off the underside of his boat or to try and, and fish by hand in the ocean. He had to jump out. He had to go beyond what he knew to survive. He had to be strong and courageous. Those two qualities are very important, not just for someone trying to survive, but someone on the journey of faith. In fact, so important are those two qualities that God will repeat this admonition again and again and again to his people. Be strong and courageous. Our theme verse for 2016 is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. 
where the Lord commands Joshua this way. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will go with you wherever you go. It is an easy promise to read. It is a much harder promise to implement in our own lives because there are so many things to be frightened of. A deep theological question for you as we begin this morning. I know you want to know the answer too. As you look at this picture in front of you, I need you to ask you this deep theological question. What color do you see? All right. Well, I don't don't yell out the answers. Not the place for that. All right. I need, if you see the color blue and black, for you to raise your hands. Okay, these are the sane, normal people. If you look at that picture and you see white and gold, raise your hand. Crazy, isn't it? Guys, this picture almost split our marriage. (laughs) This broke out over social media several months ago, and people were arguing about the color of this dress. Now, again, let's just do it for a show of hands, and this time look around. Blue and black, white and gold. And, and no matter what side you're on, you look at the other people like, are you crazy? That is clearly blue and black. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. I'm hearing the same people. People going, uh-uh. Lies from the pulpit. Lies. No. Now, this is a funny story, and there's a whole lot of science behind why you see two colors and how your eyes see light. And, and it's a very complicated explanation. I just want to use this illustration to make one simple point. And that is, it all depends on your perspective. Perspective, we're not getting into relativism here. I'm not saying, well, it just depends. There is no absolute truth. It's just one word. The actual science is, the real honest-to-goodness truth is, the dress is blue and black. But the reason you don't see it that way for The half of you in this audience is a little strange. The reason you don't see it that way has to do with how you see it. And the word for that is perspective. It's all in how you see it. Another way of saying that is, well, the glass is half full or half empty, right? That's a matter of perspective. It's how you see it. Same glass, same amount of water, same lack of water. One group sees it one way. One group sees it the other way. When we talk about changing anything, we've got two perspectives to deal with. I'm going to propose to you this morning that we have both this morning. And we're going to have both this year. And as we work through them, I hope that you'll embrace both. Perspective number one is that change is difficult. Starting a new chapter is difficult. Now, if you're in your Bibles, I see some open, but go ahead and open them to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Because in this uh, moment in Scripture, in my Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 34 ends on a page, and I have to flip the page to go to Joshua chapter 1. It's in the middle of this story, and it's like, oh no, everything was going so well. They had everything they needed, everything they wanted, but now, turn the page. This is what makes, part of what makes starting a new chapter so Difficult. While you're turning there, the past couple of weeks I've been transitioning my office. My office formerly 
Now, it's the exact same space, by the way. But formerly, it was a youth minister's office. And if you don't know what a youth minister's office looks like, go see Mike Ward's office. It's a cornucopia. It's an adventure. Sometimes you don't know if you'll make it out. That's a youth minister's office. It's full of pictures and memories and all sorts of memorabilia from trips and camps and retreats. It's full of things that have only meaning to you and maybe the person you gave it to, who gave it to you. It was just, in the, for me, a cluttered, eclectic kind of mess. It didn't really look like the preaching guy's office. So I asked dear sister Shauna Perry. I said, Shauna, and if you don't know, Shauna is a fantastic artist. She did the mural down here. She's very creative. And I said, Shauna, I need someone to adult this office. But I'm not the guy to do that. I don't know how. What I can do is I can clear out old stuff. I, I will take everything off the walls. I'll pull all the books off the shelves. You've got what every artist loves, a blank canvas. And so then while the office was closed, she and her fabulous team came in and did an amazing job. They really did. Now, to go through that process of changing just something simple like my office, I had to do a lot of things. One, I had to learn to get rid of the old. I had to remember that all those things that were important. I mean, I'm looking at youth group pictures and I'm looking at and going through memories. And when I showed the before and after pictures on social media, there was uh, a young lady who's now in college. And and she said, oh, it's I, I will miss that office will never be as good as it was. Why? Because for her, that, that office was youth group. That was memories, right? It was hard for her to let go of. I understood what she meant. It was hard to move from one chapter to the next. I had to remove what was comfortable. I had to tell Shauna that I trusted her, which for a control freak is hard. I had to say, I put it in your hands. Now, if you understand the difficulty of, of that, then go with me back to Deuteronomy chapter 34 that Jacob just read. And we're going to look at verse, starting in verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Now, you say, well, this is kind of a far stretch, Moses and Joshua, Steve and Toby. I mean, Steve's not 120 years old. He's 105. No. <laughs> he has not died. I can assure you that his vision is very clear and that his strength is far from gone. You see, it's hard to shift to a new chapter. And there's this new guy on the scene. Look at verse 8. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. I've got to acknowledge that there is, we're in a time of weeping and mourning. Steve hasn't just served as the preaching guy since 1998 full-time. He did it before that. He, like he said last week, he grew up here. He is a generational leader. His presence has always been around. This is what it was like for Israel. They had heard Moses' voice for a generation. He had been the teacher for a generation. He had led them 
for a generation. He was so godly, he glowed. He hung out with God and talked to him face to face. He had this amazing story of being called from the burning bush and watching them walk out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He had the experience of, of seeing the man and the quail and the water from the rock. They had all these adventures and experiences with Moses. Understand that for a person to walk with a group of people for generations means there were people born that Moses saw grow up and get married and have children of their own. There were a group of people in that Israel that knew no nothing but Moses leading. You think, well, it's not so dramatic, Levering. I mean, pay attention to this here. Look at Steve's old seat. Did anyone sit there? Everybody's looking around like, wonder if he's going to sit there. I'm not sitting there. Oh, that's holy of holies. No. I mean, some of you are thinking, Toby didn't even wear a veil this morning, the old, the old tie. I mean, he, he, Moses wore a veil, and now Joshua's here? Who is this kid? Come on. He can't do this. I mean, he may be great and all, but he is no Moses. I understand. I get it. I agree with it. Okay? We have to be in a time of mourning. Anytime you go through change, there's going to be difficulty. Go on to verse 9 now. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites did uh, listen to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. I love that verse. Is a transition here. We're going to do what Joshua tells us because Moses has blessed you. And it's who gave it to Moses? The Lord. Verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Who did all these miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt? Now, remember, was Moses always ready to do it? No. No, he didn't. He was reluctant. I don't. God, please send someone else. But God had chosen him just as he had chosen Joshua. No one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. The, the reason starting a new chapter is difficult is because, one, you have to leave the familiar. For 40 years, it was the same story, basically. Get up, look where the, the pillar of cloud was or the pillar of fire, wait for the manna, wait for the quail, and keep walking. I mean, that was it. Do what Moses do, go where Moses leads you, follow Moses. The story had not changed for so long. But God needed the story to change. You see, Israel, they were enslaved, but God wanted Israel free. Israel was homeless. God wanted them to have a home. They wandered for 40 years, but God had a destination in mind. All of that, Moses was there for it. But God needed them to move forward. And to get to where you aren't, you have to leave where you are. In, in every character of faith, 
there comes a point of leaving and following. In my Bible reading this week, I, I came across the story again of Abram. Remember the promise to Abram that, that God gave in Genesis chapter 12? Now, Abram was a successful man. He was a godly man. And yet, God called him. He said, I want you to leave your country, your family, your people, everything you know, and go to a place you've never been. And the beautiful thing about Abram's faith is though he didn't understand, he trusted God enough. And the verse says in Genesis 12, so Abram left. Don't you know that was scary? He left what was familiar and he followed in faith. God calls Abram to do that. He called Moses and Joshua to do that. He'll call you and I to do that. Leave where you are so I can take you where you need to be. Now, we want to be where God wants us, but sometimes it's hard to leave where we are. Secondly, it's difficult because the characters change. Moses was known by God. The scripture says that he spoke with God as a man speaks to his friend face to face. I mean, he had this holy interaction with him that was so beautiful. He was known by Israel, as I've said, for a generation. After the ten plagues, he led them out of Egypt and through, not around, not in a boat, but through the Red Sea. Can you imagine such a faith-building moment? As you're walking through the Red Sea, walls of water on both sides, there was not this interaction. Hey, Habib, I'm not sure if there is a God. There wasn't. There was total belief and trust, not just that there was a God, but that he was among them and that he was working through Moses. It's hard. It's hard when you're well-known and well-loved to move when the characters change. Joshua chapter 34. I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 34 verse 9. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, I said, who is this kid? Joshua was not an unknown character. He had certainly been battle tested. You know the story of the Amalekites and Moses. This is the story with when Moses would lift his hands, the Israelites were winning. When his hands were down, they were losing the battle. Well, in that story, if you pay attention, Moses is up there and they're holding up his hands. He can't hold them up very long. Where's Joshua? Joshua's down on the battlefield. While Moses is praying, Joshua's over here slaying. He is right and left. He is battle tested. Joshua is certainly has paid his dues. He has uh, in every way shown himself worthy on the battlefield. He was competent. Numbers 11 verse 28 says he served with Moses since he was a young man. He bravely explored the land with Caleb. He and Caleb are the only two who looked at the land before they wandered and said, we can take it. We can do it. If they had listened to Joshua and Caleb, then they would have saved a generation of heartache and wandering. Joshua was called. He was competent. He was qualified. He was battle tested 
all that being true, he still wasn't Moses. This is the, the story of God's people. God's people still move forward, but the characters change. Northside has always been Northside, but it's not always been the same people. Your family will always be your family, but there will be additions and subtractions as your family moves through time. Go on me on a little nostalgic journey. I want to take you to a faraway place. Not that it's far away geographically. It actually occurred right here. But it occurred about 20 years ago today. This trip, some of you will recognize and some of you won't. Twenty years ago today, not today, but almost 20 years ago in the season of the early spring of 1996, right here where you and I, where you sit, where I stand, was a group of people that were getting ready to embark on a journey. So I have a question for you. If you were here on that day, if those pictures, if you can say I was there on that day, would you stand up? Go ahead, stand up right now. Now, stay standing for just a minute. These people were all here. The rest of us who were seated say, I don't remember that day. I wasn't there. I didn't see those people. I didn't hold those shovels. My children weren't there. Now, if you look around, you see the difference of how God changes his people. I understand some of those people in those pictures have gone on to their reward. Some of those people have moved away. But what we understand very simply by looking around is that Northside, though it has always remained Northside, is always changing. The people in it are changing. The leaders in it are changing. The followers in it are changing. This is what elders sit down and do. They talk about the current state of of the congregation, but they also talk about the future, the people who aren't yet here, and how are we going to reach them. Now, if the rest of you will stand up, you're part of Northside too. Just because you weren't there on that day, On that day, the people who were first standing up looked forward to a day when the rest of you would be here. When the rest of you would fill the pews that they didn't know if they could fill. They didn't didn't even build the auditorium big enough. Was that because of them? No. It was faith in the God that they served. And it's the faith in the God that we still serve. He has bigger plans for Northside. Even beyond today, I long for 20 years from now in 2036 for some guy, maybe me, maybe somebody else, to stand up and say, who was here in 2016? And then for the rest of them to stand up. It's a beautiful vision. We have to remember, though, that God's people are always going to be God's people. But that group of people is always Changing. Everybody can have a seat. You got your seventh inning stretch, okay? This gives us perspective number two 
A new chapter is exciting. It is thrilling. When you're, I don't know if you're an avid reader or not, but when you come to the end of a well-written chapter and you flip that page and it has the new chapter on it, boy, aren't you excited? I mean, part of you hates to, you think, oh, that, oh, that chapter was so good. It'll never get any better. But then you realize it's not about the chapters. It's not even about the characters. It's about the author. If the author can write one good chapter, he can write many good chapters, and he will. This is what leads us with excitement about the future, because we've seen what God has done in the past. So turn with me, literally turn the page, if you have the right kind of Bible, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verses 3 and go on through verse 5. He says this to Joshua. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. There's Joshua's feet and there's Moses' feet. The consistent thing there is God. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Now that may seem like a new promise, but God promised that all the way back to Abram. Hundreds of years before it ever came to pass... God said, this is where the story is going. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. The story, the perspective of excitement, there's three reasons. One, we realize that the story hasn't stopped. It isn't about one character. It never has been. God's always worked the characters to his glory. It's never been about them. We think of Moses, the great speaker, the Charlton Heston type. But Moses had a stuttering problem. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. He didn't believe in himself. It wasn't about him. It was about God. If Israel refused now to follow Joshua, they'd miss out on a beautiful undertaking, a beautiful promise yet to be fulfilled. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 10 says something interesting. It says, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. And the first time I read that, I thought, boy, that seems kind of like he's, he's dogging my grandpa. He'd start every story. Let me tell you about the days. That's not what he's doing. And there's nothing wrong with appreciating the past. Certainly nothing wrong with honoring the heroes of the past. There's certainly not, nothing wrong with looking at that, appreciating it, learning from it. The problem is when you live. In the past. That's a problem for a church. That's a problem in relationships. That's a problem in families. Anytime you have a person who all they can focus on, I mean, think about how when you drive. You know, if you got into a car and the driver, the only thing they looked at was the rear view mirror, you'd get out of that car pretty quick. Okay? The biggest part of the vision for the driver has to be the windshield facing forward. But the rear view mirror is there for a purpose. To remind you where you've been, 
to remind you of the God who's been so faithful and to encourage you to look forward and to keep driving. The characters are growing is the second reason we're excited. Israel couldn't go where God would want them to be until they left where they were. It took God a whole lot longer to get Egypt out of Israel than it did for him to get Israel out of Egypt. Because they were only focused on, oh, it was so good back there. Forget that we were in slavery. Forget that we're making tons of bricks every day. Forget all of that. It was so good and easy and safe and secure. But God needed them out so they could get to where he wanted them to be. Characters have to grow. You can't change the story until you start a new chapter with new characters. And even the old characters will change. Uh, how many of you, I'm sorry, show of hands, uh, how many of you have been to see the new Star Wars movie? Okay, yeah. Now, if you were there in 1977 for the first one, uh, sorry, I couldn't be there. I hadn't been born yet. Um, <laughs> I had to throw that in. If you were there for the first one, you realized, ah, the characters have returned in, in number seven. But they changed. They weren't the same as they used to be, even though they were the same. This is the same in our story as well. The story is exciting because the story doesn't stop and the characters must grow. Josh, um, Moses had got them from Egypt to the edge of Canaan. And now Joshua had to lead them from the edge of Canaan in to Canaan, to take hold of it, to dwell within it, to face the mighty giants, the fortified armies, people who were taller, faster, bigger, stronger, better equipped, outsmarter. Uh, they were in every way, they were better than Israel was. But God was going to raise them to the level where they needed to be. And thirdly, we're excited because the author isn't finished. The author isn't finished. He's going to continue to write Northside's story in 2016, in 2036, in 2056, in 2076, in 2096. He's going to keep writing until it finally finishes with the grand finale of his son returning. The beautiful thing is that the author never changes. His purpose is solid. Jesus, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same Jesus who stood in an empty field marked off with yellow tape 20 years ago that stands with us today. It's the same Jesus who's going to stand with us 20 years from now. The same author. Characters will change. Stories will change. New chapters will come. But the story goes on because we trust in the author. So how do we begin? Well, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. The psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Now, some of you don't have your Bibles open. You're staring at the screen. It's not going to be there. Guys, you need to get this verse. You need to understand your world's going to change, be it at church, in your job, in your family. Things are going to change. You need to know this promise. Psalm 46, get there. 
Therefore, verse 2, we will not fear, though the earth give way. Listen, earthquakes been shaken up, Kansas folk, lately. We do not expect that. You know, our natural disasters, we like to be able to see, stare at them for a while. Wait till the last minute. This ground-shaking stuff, uh-uh. That, sh- that really shakes us to our core. The California people, they got that down. We are ready for that. Psalm 46 says, sometimes in life, the world is going to shake. The earth is going to tremor. Things are going to look bad. And even in those moments, you serve a God who's solid, who's bedrock, who does not change and shift and, and alter himself. He is always true. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is within her. She will not fall. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. It doesn't say he was with us. It doesn't say he will be with us. He says he is with us. When you stand up to lead a prayer, please don't ask God to be with us. He's promised us a thousand times. Pray that we are with him. Pray that we might remain true to the one who is true to us. He alone is our refuge and strength. Be strong. That's what that means. Have conviction. Know where your faith lies. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Joshua would later say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's strength. That's conviction. That's putting your anchor into the rock. But there's a second part of it. There's being courageous. There, there's two parts to this. There's being strong. There's being convicted. There's being grounded. There's being uh, solidified. There's knowing where your hope lies. But there's also this act of bravery, courage that you must have. For you people who follow sports, you know that every good team has to have what? A defense, but a bold offense. You gotta have two working together. You gotta, you gotta be able to hold the enemy back, but you also gotta be able to press forward. This is what, this is what God wants for His people. Some of you are lost right now, so imagine with me, in your mind, a turtle. The turtle, the lowly turtle. In his shell, he is strong. He is solid. He is fortified. Very few things can reach him. But the turtle, the lowly turtle, will never make any progress until he sticks his neck out. Until he begins to put those feet out and to move. It's strength and courage that God calls his people to have. Not to cower safely, putting the the ship in the port, but to sail bravely like Salvador did, knowing what God needs for his kingdom. Some people say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I just, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Friends, guess 
Maybe the Lord is waiting on you. He needs you to stop just trusting him and start obeying him to to uh, trust him and to do good. As Psalm 37 says, courage is contagious. So don't forget the promises, but also seek out the premises. Next week. We're going to continue on our new journey and we're going to look at how God calls us. To stick to the book. We have, as I've already explained, this 90-day Bible reading plan. If you didn't get one, please get one on your way out. Day one starts today. There's one on the website. There's hard copies here. But we'd like you to go through the promises of God in the New Testament in 90 days. Jesus so many times told the people of his time, friends and foes alike, Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Jesus convicted them and us that we need to be reminded through reading of the promises of God so that we can stick to the author and to know his story. I hope you'll join us next Sunday morning. And if you have the opportunity to join us tonight as we begin a new series called Unswerving, we're going to look at the stories of bold faith found in the New Testament. Now, I would be remiss if I stopped the lesson without inviting some of you. There are some of you who are coward and afraid and fearful because you have not given your life to Christ. You know that if you close your eyes and you do not wake up, you are not prepared to step into eternity because you do not know God. The only way you can know God, as Jesus himself said, is through him. If you don't know Christ, I want to help you to know Christ. I'd like to study with you. If you know what you need to do and you've just been waiting Today, make it the day where you stop being strong and start being courageous. Step up, step out, come forward. Let myself or any of the elders help you. We love to be with you. Begin this strong and courageous journey. If you have any need, please come as we stand and sing.